Awesome. Well, my name's Adam. I'm an elder at Clearwater. You might know my wife, Farrah. She's waving her hand in the back. So if you've got your Bible, we're continuing through our series about seated, called Seated with Jesus, where we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. And so today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 24, or excuse me, verse 25 to 34. If you have your Bible open, you can read with me. I'm going to read from um, the New American Standard Version, which says, For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do do so for you, O you of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or with what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm a relatively new struggler to anxiety. In the past few years, as my life has gotten busier with my work and my personal obligations and the more conflicts I've engaged as a a person in the world, I've had a a personal stake in wrestling with anxiety with the Lord and with my wife and with the people close to me. Anxiety for me kept me up at night. It consumed all of my emotions. Anxiety was the only thing that I could feel. It filled my mind and kept me from thinking about literally anything else. The only thing I could think about was the thing I was worried about. I was so focused on tomorrow that I was removed from the moment, right? I was removed from the here and now. I was so focused on something that would happen in the future. It affected my physical body. It increased my heart rate. It took the breath out of my lungs and I was nervous. I was on edge, jumpy. My mind, it got trapped in a rumination spiral. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 the only thing that could be in my mind was the thing that I was uh, envisioning that was going to happen in the next day or maybe in, in the week ahead. I was trapped in that spiral. I wasn't able to see or to remember from past experience that often, as the great Tom Petty says, the things that we worry about usually don't happen. Right? And he says, the things we worry about never happen anyway. We don't typically worry about benign things, right? We don't worry about our commute to work. We don't worry about the, the person that we're going to come up to uh, next in, in line for coffee. Some of us with you know, may, maybe clinical anxiety or clinical depression, we might worry about those things. But for most of us, we don't worry about those type of things. Our, the things that we worry about are the things that reveal our innermost treasures, 
The, the, the things that we worry about reveal what we really prioritize in our life. We worry about the things that we treasure. And our anxiety leads us to check out. Right? Remember I, told, I just said from my experience, my struggle with worry, I was stepped out from my present world. Right? And I was trapped in thinking about the future. It leads us to avoid our day-to-day life. It leads us to avoid the people that are right in front of us. We seek to distract ourselves so that it would keep us from facing our worries or facing our fears. And so we distract ourselves uh, by social media, by television, anything that, that, that we can to distract ourselves because of, because of our anxiety. Anxiety or and worry is a frequent talk, topic in the scriptures, thankfully. It's a frequent topic for us because I think God knows that it's something that while we inhabit our bodies, it's something that we're going to struggle, struggle with. Anxiety is, is part of the human condition, and we're going to struggle with it. And so it, our present world, of course, thinks about anxiety as a, as a mental health thing, but as, as Christians, anxiety affects our spiritual life as well. And that's what Jesus is speaking about here in, in this sermon, uh, this section of the sermon, because we're not immune to anxiety. And while we're in our bodies, we're going to struggle with it. Thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say. If you, read the, if you read the scripture, you can read about God meeting us at our fears, meeting us at the times where we're worrying. God meets us in those moments. Because Christians have a great benefit when we think about our fear, when we think about our worry. Christians have a great benefit that God is going to meet our needs, that he's going to provide for us. And so we're going to look at anxiety. We're going to look at uh, addressing our worries in, in three different aspects. The first is the spiritual problem of anxiety. What does anxiety do to our spiritual life? The second is how anxiety changes our perspective. And third, we're going to talk about how we combat our anxiety. How do we change our perspective to move it out of our worry, then put it back on Christ? So the first thing, let's look about the, the, the way that anxiety affects our spiritual life or the spiritual problem of anxiety. Anxiety about cares for the world suffocates our faith, right? It suffocates our ability to walk with God in faith. And so Jesus addresses that here in verse 25. For this reason, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? The very essentials, the very foundations of our life, Jesus says, don't worry about it. He says, don't worry about the very foundational things that you need for your life. Don't worry about the food and the water that you need. Don't worry about the clothing that you need to wear. I'm sure maybe if Jesus was in a cold climate, right, they might say, Jesus, that God, don't worry about the shelter that you'd have, right? The very foundational needs that we have, God says, I can meet those needs. Jesus isn't saying that denying our physical needs is unimportant, He's not saying that. He just taught us earlier in chapter 6 in the Lord's Prayer to pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. That's verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus isn't saying that our physical needs are, unimport- are, are not important. If you look at the entire teaching of Scripture, it's, it's important that, uh, it, and quite clear that the command of Scripture is that it's the uh, role of the church to care for those in need. God knows that we have physical needs. He knows that we have needs and that he's going to meet them. 
Jesus isn't rejecting our thought or, pre- or preparation for our physical needs. It's okay to think about what am I going to do today to meet the needs that I have, or what can I do today to meet the needs that I'm going to have tomorrow. He isn't saying that, that those things are bad. Jesus is forbidding anxious thought about material things. Anxious thought about material things is what he is uh, forbidding. The author John Stott said, Jesus is emphasizing that to become engrossed in material, in material comforts, to become engrossed in material comforts is a false preoccupation. It's not right for us to be overly anxious about those things, right? We weren't created to be anxious and worrying about our physical needs because we know that God can meet them. Why should we not worry about those physical things? That's a very logical question. Okay, Jesus, if you said I shouldn't worry about those things, why shouldn't I worry about them? And Jesus brings out this, this, the, the very reason why we shouldn't, the very, for a spiritual reason. Look at verse 32. For all of these things, the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your father knows that you need all these things. He references the Gentiles, or Gentiles as people that do not follow God, that do not live by faith, right? If we're living like we don't have faith, we have a false preoccupation for material things, for how, how we can provide for ourselves, how we can get the things that we need, how we can get more and how we can get ahead. People who don't believe, Jesus is saying, those are the people who fixate on those things. They are, they're living like they have no faith, but you live a different life, Jesus is saying. Don't be like the Gentile. Be like a person who has faith. Why? Why can we live like a person who has faith? Because we know that we have a God who meets our needs. We we know that we have a providential God that is going to provide for the needs that we have. And we can take that to the bank. We can take that to the bank through our faith. We know that we can trust God that he is going to meet all of our needs. I hope that you guys have faith that God will meet all of your needs. Whatever the the future looks like for you, knowing you know that you can have faith that God is going to meet your needs. Don't be like the Gentiles, Jesus says, because we can put our faith in God that he will meet our needs. We have a heavenly father who knows that you need these things. Do you know that you have a heavenly father who will meet your needs? Christians therefore have a great benefit as children of God. We have a God that, Colossians, as Colossians 1 says, created the world and sustains the world. That's what Colossians 1 says about Jesus. That Jesus created all things and that he upholds all things. Do you have faith that Jesus upholds every bit of your daily life today? That he upholds every bit of your daily life tomorrow? Because that's what the scripture says. The scripture says that God upholds all of your needs for today and for tomorrow. We have, that's a great truth that we can rest in every day. The other problem with worry is that it, it chokes out our faith. The cares of the world and the cares of our flesh seek to suffocate and suck out faith from our life. Suck out the faith from our heart. Look at Matthew chapter 13. Jesus, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, but this is in the parable of the sower, where Jesus says that the word is going out into the world, 
right? God is speaking the, the truth of the gospel, the truth of who he is out into the world and that everyone's heart is a little bit different. In verse seven, it says, uh, and others speaking about a different type of seed that is cast out into the soil. And he says, and others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out. And the disciples were, of course, perplexed, if you, if you uh, remember the story in Matthew 13, about what, this, what those different types of seed meant. You jump down to verse 22, Jesus explains, And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The worry of the world, the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You see what Jesus is saying, right? If we're so preoccupied with the worry of the world, if we're preoccupied by a deceitfulness of riches, it's going to choke the faith out of our life, right? And then we're gonna, it, it's going to have an impact in our spiritual life the worry of the world, and, and the worry that's in us as human beings, right? It's going to feed our anxiety and it's going to choke out our faith. It's going to choke out our faith. The concerns of the world and our flesh can choke out our faith. So we don't have to worry about our life, Christian, because we know that God is going to meet our needs. But know that our anxiety is is it's a danger. It's a danger that seeks to take out our faith. But we know that we have a promise from God that he is going to meet our needs, right? Because he knows that we have needs. Jesus knows us, he knows our life, and he knows that we have our needs. So I hope that helps us illuminate the spiritual problem of anxiety, right? That anxiety is not a benign thing. It's not just a thing that everybody experiences, but it's a danger to our faith, it's a danger to our faith because it, it uh, changes our perspective from our relationship with God, that God is going to meet all of our needs, to a relationship with the world that says, I must control my life. I must uh, seek to control the, the, every aspect of my life. And that's a misplaced perspective. That's the second thing. Anxiety changes our perspective so that it is... Um, so that it is damaging to us. And Jesus gives us a couple examples of, of how he provides for us um, through, how, through examples of how he provides for the world. Jesus uses these as how much more examples, right? So he gives the example of the raven and the example of the lily that we're going to read in a moment. And he says, how much more, uh, how much more important are you than those things? Right? How much more? And when we're struggling with anxiety, we're forgetting how much more important we are to the Lord when we're, uh, when we're trapped in that period of anxiety. Let's look at verse 26, this first how much more example. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here it is. Are you not worth much more than they? Are you not worth much more than the ravens that, I, that, that, that God provides for? Verse 28 and 29. 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. What is your perspective? Is your perspective that God, because he cares for the ravens, because he cares for the lilies and their grandeur, as Jesus puts it? Is your perspective that God is going to care for me because he cares for the rest of the world? Because he cares for the ravens and the lilies? Or is your perspective going to be different? That's going to be choked out by the cares of the world and the cares in our hearts that says, I need to have control. I need to be the, the, the deciding force for my life. Where is our perspective? Jesus gets to the heart of the matter when he asks rhetorically in verse 30. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the, fur- into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith. Jesus is not saying that his disciples have no faith. He's saying that they do not have enough. He's saying grow your faith a little bit more. Grow your faith a little bit more that that you are saying in your heart, I know that God has provided for me. I know that God can provide it to meet my needs. Grow your faith a little bit more so that you can change your perspective, so that we're not so focused on the lies of the world and, and, and so focused on the cares of the world that seek to choke out our faith, but that we're, we're, we're rightly aligned that God would, is going to provide for us. It's not a benign thing when we pray before we have a meal together. As I grew up, I I grew up in a Christian home and that was something that we did. Every meal that we shared together as a family, we we prayed together for the meal. As I've gotten older, that's been a habit that I haven't been very good at doing with with my wife, Farah. But what are we doing in that moment, right? We're about to partake in food and water that's going to sustain our life, right? What we're doing in that moment is acknowledging that right perspective, aren't we? We're acknowledging in that perspective that God, the, the, the food that we're about to enjoy, the food that we're about to eat for, this, for the sustaining of our life, you have provided that for me. Not through my work primarily, not through my wife's work or through the food that someone has brought into my home, but it's an acknowledgement that God, you have provided all the things that I need for life. All, as James says in James chapter 1, all good things comes down from the Father of lights. All good things that we need for life, God has provided for us. And so when we partake of, in that grace moment together, we're saying that, God, yes, you have provided for the needs that we have in our life. You see that subtle change in perspective. It's a very, it seems like a small change. But it's a profound change, Jesus is saying, because it reorients ourselves in a right perspective from God. And it's a perspective when we have our eyes on Jesus that we can rest in, uh, in our life, knowing that God cares for the ravens, he cares for the lilies, he cares for you, and he cares for me. Faith that God will provide for our needs does not exempt us from doing the work, right? We're not, if, if we say, God, you're going to provide for our needs, God, you've called me to go to this place. Therefore, I, my, my role in this is, is done, <laughs> right? We don't, we're, we don't have that perspective. 
right? We know that we are partners with God with the work. We know that when it's moose hunting season, the moose just isn't going to arrive in our freezer every September, right? We have to go out, we have to do the work. The salmon that we put in our freezer isn't just going to show up in, in June or July. We have to go stand in the river, be cold, but stick your net out there to put salmon in the freezer. But again, that perspective is not that I have done those things. Yes, I did do those things. I did pull the trigger. I did pull the fish in. I did put it in my freezer. But God is the one who provides for us. And that very difference, that very little bit of faith makes all the difference. That little step of faith that said, God, you provided those things for us. Um, that makes all the difference. So what is your perspective? Is your perspective in, in your life that God is going to meet your need? That God is going to provide for you whatever your situation is this week. Whatever difficulty you're going to face in your week ahead. Whatever challenging conversation you're going to have. Whatever, whatever big barrier for need that you're going to meet. Do you believe that God is going to be able to meet that need? I had two friends in the hospital this week. I had, they're both, both colleagues. One of them was in for uh, about a week. The other, another one had a stroke. And as I went to both of them this week, I could say to them and pray with them that God was going to meet their need. Even when we're at a moment of great need like that, we know that God is going to be able to meet us in that moment. And we don't have to be anxious about it because God knows and cares for our needs. So where is your perspective? And that is uh, the, the idea that I hope you, you take away this morning is that when we have Moments where we are tempted to not believe, where we're tempted to uh, live with our anxiety, to live and be trapped in our fears. We know that we must combat our anxieties with faith. We have to combat and fight our worries with faith. Because the Lord is greater than our anxiety. We know that the Lord is going to meet our needs. God is going to meet our needs, and we have to fight that lie that the world wants to, to, to put into our life and put before our, our, our eyes through our phones or our televisions or, or whatever. We have to fight the lie that we, that we live with this anxiety. We have to fight that lie. To, we have to fight it through faith. Our anxieties will not elongate our life. In verse 27, it says, Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Is your anxiety, is your worry? A cubit is, is literally 18 inches. It's an ancient standard of measure. It's 18 inches. I don't know if that's 18 inches. 18 inches is maybe that long. I have no idea. I'm not good at building things. I just, that's not my skill set. But Jesus is saying, if you're worried and you're so focused on those things, and it's filling up your life, keep, keeping you out of the present, is that going to elongate your life by 18 inches? No, it's not. It's not going to change your life at all. Our anxiety robs us of our today. We're not present when we're anxious. It's wasted time and attention. It's keeping us from living our life with the Lord. Therefore, don't be like a Gentile, Jesus says. Don't be like a Gentile who doesn't have faith, but be like a person who does have faith. So how do we not be anxious about our life? A couple things. First, through faith and obedience. We know that God can meet our needs. Through faith and obedience, we know that God can meet every need that we have. 
whatever that is. The second, through a knowledge of the truth that it would reign in our minds so that we can fight our anxieties. So that we could say, no, that fear that I have, that anxiety that I have, that's not the truth. It might feel like the truth. It might feel overwhelming to you. It might seem all-encompassing, and that's the only thing that is real in your life. But we know that that's not true. We know that that's not true because that's not what God said, right? But you have to know the truth. You have to have it in your head. You have to have it in your heart so that you can fight your anxieties with faith. If you don't know the truth, it can't set you free, right? You have to know the truth of, 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 of the scripture. You have to know the truth that Jesus taught us so that we can walk in faith. So a couple things as we start to land the plane. A couple, couple different doctrines, three of them that we can think about. Three truths about how uh, that when we're in a period of anxiety, when we're in a period of worry, what can we think about? What can we meditate on as we did earlier today that can bring us, bring us back to a, that right perspective of faith? And then lastly, a couple different very practical things for us. So the first of those three, three, three ideas. This passage teaches us that God is, is providential, that he will provide for us. If you ever worry about God providing for you, go back to this passage. Know that God is going to provide for your needs. He knows our needs and he will provide for them. You have a providential father in heaven who knows your needs. Again, as I mentioned in Colossians 1, Jesus is doing what? He's created the world, and he is sustaining the world on a day-to-day basis. And Jesus says, I know your need. The God who created the universe and who upholds that currently in life says to you, I know your need, and I'm going to meet your need. Blow your mind. The second, the goodness of God. You can rest in God's goodness. He cares for the raven. He cares for the lilies of the field. So imagine, look, look at a, if you've seen a, a lily and how they toil and spin, as Jesus says. That they they have never been a, uh, they haven't been clothed in the way that they, they're they're clothed in a way Solomon uh, better than a way Solomon was ever clothed. That shows us God's goodness. He cares for the raven. He cares for the lily. He also cares for us. The third thing, God is near to you. God is near to you. If he knows your need, that means he's near to you. He knows your life. He knows the span of of our days. He knows the 18 inches, right? He knows the span of our life. And he knows that by being anxious, it will not add to that span. He knows about our todays and he knows about our tomorrows, He's near to us through the spirit that indwells our hearts. The spirit of God is is near to you and it can meet you at that moment of your great need. In your moment of great need, do you know that God can meet you? And you know that he can. You know that God can meet you at your moment of great need because he is near to us. So how do we do this? So how do we, what does this look like practically? Those big truths that, that God is a providential father, that he's good, and that he's near to us. How, do, how does that look like in practicality as we're wrestling with anxiety and when we're uh, wrestling with worry and fear? 
The first one is that your anxiety is not your identity. It's not who you are. You are not your anxiety or the things that you worry about. You're not your mental health. You're not the situations that you are in your life or, or, or the personality that you've created. That's not your identity. Your identity is that you are a child of God. You are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And that by faith, we have the right perspective. That is what your identity is. And so when I'm wrestling with anxiety, when I'm wrestling with my fear and what's going to happen this week or what's going to happen tomorrow, I know that I can put my focus on Christ and the rest of it will work itself out. Look at verse 33, changing your perspective, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Your identity is not your anxiety or your fear. Your, anxiety, your identity is as a child of God who seeks his kingdom and his righteousness. Put your focus on Christ and that will uh, change your identity. That will change the very foundation for your life. The second thing that you can do when you're wrestling with anxiety is give your anxiety to the Lord. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This, when I was wrestling with anxiety just, just recently, you know, not, not all that long ago, this was something that I would ask to do with, with Farah to go before the Lord together and pray through my anxiety, pray through the things that I'm worried about, pray through my day tomorrow. You can do the same. For me, when I could, when I could uh, obey this <laughs> command from Philippians, I could feel the peace of God in my life as I gave my anxieties, as I gave my worries to the Lord, and I could give it to him. I could trust it to him because God is trustworthy. And the peace of God reigned in my heart. You guys can do the same. This is a promise that's for everyone, that we can give our anxieties, we can give our worries, we can give our fears to the Lord and know that he will meet us there in that moment and that the peace of God will reign in our hearts. Again, because God's providential, because he's good, and because he's near to us. Third thing is that I, we have to be careful about our engagement in the world. We talked about this briefly, right? The, the, the world and our flesh seeks to snuff out our faith. Therefore, we have to be careful about how we engage in the world and how much of it we engage in. Because the lies of the world says, no, you can't trust in God for this. You need to do it yourself. And then the anxiety start. Then the fears start. Limit your engagement with the world. Be careful about it. Be careful about your engagement with the world. Fight the lies of the world and the lies of the flesh with the word of God. Change your perspective that says God is upholding everything right now and that he's going to meet me at my moment of need. Fourth thing, don't use your anxiety as an excuse to make yourself absent from the world or from people or from you, the, 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 your people that are in the world. Verse 35, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Right, anxiety forces is only focusing us on the future. 
What's going to happen next week? What's going to happen tomorrow? It keeps us and robs us from today. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble. Tomorrow has enough trouble. You can take it one day at a time. One day at a time. Don't use your anxiety as an excuse to say, I'm not going to do this or that. And that's the, that the, the fourth and the fifth thing are really pretty similar then. The fifth thing then is that it, take it one day at a time. If you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with worry, just think about the next moment, the next day, one day at a time. When I was in my struggle with anxiety and when it comes up, I have to just take things one day at a time, moment by moment even, moment by moment, that when things happen or things change in my life, I know that God can meet me in that moment. But my perspective had to be, I have to be present here and just just in that moment. Don't be so focused on the future. Your anxiety is not your identity. We can give our anxiety to the Lord. We can limit our exposure to the world and that our, that our focus would be more uh, on the truth that God has taught us through his word. And fourth, that we wouldn't be uh, absent from the world, but that we would take it one day at a time. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have a great God who cares for us, who's provided for all of our needs, and that's truth that we can rest on every day. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so grateful for your care for us, for your providential love for us, Lord, that that meets our needs. God, I pray for Clearwater Church right now, Lord, that, that if we're wrestling with anxiety, if we're wrestling with fear, we're wrestling with worry, God, we just pray that we would be able to turn that to you, Lord, because you care for us, because you've promised to meet our needs. God, may we take this message to our unbelieving friends, the, our unbelieving family, Lord, that uh, they know so that we can tell them the good news, Lord, that you care for us and that you're going to meet our needs. God, may we rest in this truth today, Lord. Thank you for walking with us in your name. Amen.